Welcome to the Renegade Yogi podcast experience. Join myself, Zorananda, and this episode's guest as we explore yoga in the modern world. Prepare yourself as we will experience yoga like never before. Hello and welcome to RIPE, the Renegade Yogi Podcast Experience. My name is Zora Nanda. Before I go into this episode with Mark Steves, I just want to talk about the special day it is today. And when you're listening to this, you know, the time will go- have gone past, but that's okay. Today is Guru Purnima. And essentially what that is in the yogic tradition is the celebration of Adinat Yogi or Shiva, the original yogi. And it's typically this time of year on the full moon or right after the full moon. And the significance is this is to recognize that yoga has continued on for thousands of years because of this significant character in the mythology of yoga. Whether or not you want to believe that indeed Adi Nat was a real person, you know, in the yogic tradition and um, in the life of Indians in yoga, they very much believe that Shiva was indeed a real uh, person, regardless of whether or not he was blue or whatever, that he was a celestial being. But when you look into people like Yogi Raj, Satguru Nat, um, um, Siddha Nat, in his book, Babaji, The Lightning Standing Still, he very much goes into great detail of historical accounts of how and why Adinat, the Param Guru of all um, sadhus, of all gurus, of all swamis, um, the avatara that is beyond all, that is complete and all there is. You know, there's a mantra, the Purnima mantra, that, um, if I can remember it quick, uh, correctly, Om Purnamida, Purnamidad, Purna, Purnamadachaite, Pornasya, Pornamadaya, Pornamadevashishate. So essentially that mantra um, can be translated to all is complete, the complete is all, the complete is all that there is and all that ever will be, and that that represents what Shiva is, and that there's this cosmic deity, this cosmic entity that can manifest itself into the earth's plane without birth and without death, and that can show up at any point, any timeline that there is that the earth can actually facilitate. And so that you have these characters all throughout the history of earth that you know, um, Yogi Raj points out that is this Shiva character, and it comes down to Babaji, uh, Shiva Garokshanat Babaji. And so today is the celebration of this being, and um, 
it also marks a really interesting anniversary for myself too. So as you may or may not know, I have Shiva tattooed on my arm completely. And it was on the um, Guru Purnima, which I started actually coloring in Shiva, um, this blue color. And when I did in 2015, it was on not just Guru Purnima, but it was also a blue moon. So it actually holds um, a really neat synchronicity for myself. And this podcast is really all about synchronicity. Mark and I go deep into the rabbit hole of what synchronicity is, what it could be, the mystery around it, and how really it shapes our life. So I'm really looking forward uh, to you all listening to this podcast and, and getting something out of it so that you know you feel like you can move forward in understanding what synchronicity is why you know days like the full moon and um, celebrations like guru purnima can be significant um you know whether or not you're from india and that how you can go about ritualizing your life in a significant way and that the synchronicities can actually flow through you from divinity to others so hope you enjoy this podcast thank you for listening and let's get on with it all right welcome everybody to ripe the renegade yogi podcast experience of course my name is zorananda i'm here with a great friend of mine a great guest his name is mark steves he is the host and creator of my family thinks I'm crazy. He's got a new project called Scene, all about synchronicity. And I'm stoked to talk about him. You know, he's the one that really helped me launch this podcast, kind of take it from a nest for me turning into a bird and flying the coop on my own. So here we go. Let's have a great conversation and talk about everything yoga, everything synchronicity, everything about life. So welcome, dude. Thanks for having me back. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. And yeah, I'm, I'm really stoked that you've gotten this far. Like I said, most people don't even get past, you know, the conversation about starting a podcast. And here we are a couple months later, you got a bunch of episodes down, you got the hang of it, you're using OBS. I mean, come on, Yogi, you, you're a full blown renegade, just like I told you the first time we talked. So I'm happy to be here and have this conversation, man. Yeah, man, it's it's quite the process. Like, I'm already doing so much in my life of having a full time job, um, being a musician. I'm just wrapping up an album and podcasting. So, you know, there's this part of me that really obsesses with needing things to go in a certain way and I found with just uploading and putting things that I just I just let it go out there right like because I see on transistor where you know the platform that we're using that there's I, I don't know like seven different kind of streaming services it goes up onto and yeah I just I just put it up and I just watch slowly the count of of listeners and you know seeing the numbers that you share on your social media and how just from you starting in October to now getting, you know, up to like close to like 40,000 downloads and 
how you shared just the other day that um, one of your episodes had like 1,200 um, downloads and that it's like a record for you. Um, and that's just so inspiring because, you know, you're, you're just doing a similar thing where you're just like uploading it and it's just it's gaining traction through how the platform is. And of course, you know, you've had the help with Sam and you've been on other um, podcasts that really help um, kind of like bring in listeners. And that's just kind of the next phase of what I'm looking at. But then I just take it one day at a time, one episode at a time. And, um, you know, I get people who message me and they're like, man, I just I really loved this episode. And it may not be a whole gang of people, you know, maybe a few people, but it's just so satisfying to know that, you know, some of the conversations that I'm having and, and information that I'm putting out there is is helpful to someone, right? Especially yoga related stuff, because there's just so much out there. And it's, yeah, it's been, it's been a really fun process. So yeah, man. Yeah, right on. I agree with that. And yeah, recently, this morning, actually, we're up to 55,000, maybe 60,000 uh, downloads all together across the whole podcast. And like you said, we started in October. So I never thought I would get this far, even with, you know, Sam's help being on his show, because that episode I did with Sam got a couple hundred thousand. And, you know, it's not about the popularity. It's about service you know i think that's where you and i connected you know before you even had the idea of starting right you were just coming on folks shows talking about this stuff because you're a genuinely interesting person you know and for me the, the title of my show my family thinks i'm crazy that's because i'm a genuinely crazy person like my whole you know for the past 12 i would say years uh since i've been wakened up to this stuff or awoken if we want to be so risky to use that word yeah um but since i've since i've awoken um i've really you know gone through many phases and one of those phases was one that i think a lot of people get to where they're like wow i realized all these truths and now i have to share them with the people i love most because like this is so profound for me it's going to be profound for them and then you realize like no 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 they're too busy they you know and they're on their own path right and that's the part of uh, podcasting for me that's become really important because I'm on my path. I can share and express the things that I'd like to express. And those people who are out there adjacent to my path, parallel to my path on a similar place on their path can now reach out to me. Right. And, and we can connect in this new way where, without the podcast it would have been a lot harder you know you can wear like a wacky t-shirt and hope that you you spark a conversation with a stranger in public but for the most part it's hard to come across people who agree with you on these perspectives concepts and theories even right especially when it gets into the conspiracy realm you know you almost risk your social uh, person, you know, credit score, so to speak, by getting into some of this stuff. And, and I think that's always made me feel sort of isolated. Um, and I, I do stand out being so tall. Uh, people 
tend to want to talk to me. So that got me into being kind of uh, open and, and, and not afraid to talk about this stuff. I used to sell bread at a farmer's market and I would get into conversations about what was really going on in the world as much as I could, you know, without freaking people out and scaring them away. So now with this podcast, I'm able to show people uh, the things that I like to talk about. And then they, like you said, reach out here and there. Like the, my buddy, shout out to, to Sylvester out in California. I've never been to California, but now I have a good friend in California who's really cool. He sends us, you know, Patreon uh, donation every month and always participates, always hooks me up with uh, feedback, which I love, like saying, hey, this episode was great. Or, you know, this happened and, you know, sometimes I need that because I'm starting out. Like, I, I remember uh, Yo, Shonanda here a couple of weeks ago was like, hey, man, there's this like weird part of the your new episode. And I'm like, oh, shit, you're right. I need to edit that out, you know, like, mm -hmm. so I love the feedback, good and bad, because it's all building into this uh, thing that was meant to be, you know, and that's going to maybe start our conversation about synchronicity but it's like all of the the things that have culminated in my life to this point have prepared me to do just exactly what I'm doing and because I've had the clarity of mind to look for my purpose you know I've been able to align myself with that truth and I think everybody has their true purpose and sometimes they assign themselves an artificial purpose and then their meaning, the meaning of their life starts to fade and they become very bogged down and, and beat up and, and negativity sets in. And I think, you know, that's the goal of our podcast here. And that's the goal of every podcast I do is to try to show people the meaning of life. Because even like these mysterious things that we, uh, you know, get in touch with by accident, like, oh, is Sasquatch real or are UFOs real? Like as when those questions dawn on you, the larger question of what we are, who we are, what we're doing here, those big conceptual questions start to seep in. And I think that's where my podcast sits is in this philosophy. Like, let's think about these things and you're not crazy for thinking about it. But, you know, synchronistically, you and I both were inspired by the Jedi Mind Tricks uh, rap group, right? This yeah. is something we talked about in our first conversation. And I remember very well, I can see it in my mind right now, landscaping with my father at like 13, 14 years old, cutting lawns, miserable, you know, working on the weekends while my friends are hanging out and I'm like cutting lawns to make money with my dad, you know, but I'm, I was listening to Jedi mind tricks. You know, I had an iPod and I would download all these, mu these songs from YouTube and put them in, uh, my iPod and listen while I was landscaping and somehow some way immortal technique and Jedi mind tricks made their way into this playlist. And those were the songs I liked the most, uh, you know, besides all that Jay-Z crap that I also downloaded, you know, like the top 100. Yeah. Cause I was just looking for music. I wasn't really like a connoisseur of rap music at age 14, I just happened to find those songs and I gravitated more and more towards those artists. Now, you know, I can name a bunch of them off the top of my head. My girlfriend and I were just listening to some rap yesterday in the car, like hieroglyphics is another yeah, really great band. Dope. Yeah. Yeah. 
four righteous teachers, but you know, these people were expressing uh, real experience of life in their music, you know, which is so juxtaposed to what's popular in music, which is like a commercial plastic fake version of what life is, you know? And I always gravitated towards that independent, you know, and as my taste changed, started to be interested in rock music and different types of music and then I found like the Joseph Campbell archives on Spotify you know looking for music I happened to find Joseph Campbell's lectures right and that's when this kind of thing really got going for me because now I'm listening to this high level mythology stuff that I was interested in and you know I gotta tell people like when it comes to you know the podcasting thing like it's synchronistic the reasons why i'm speaking like this it's not because i've done all this research and like come on over here and pat me on the back and tell me how smart i am it's like no 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 all of this stuff has come into my life for a reason to be able to share it with you it's not a matter of ego and i'll i'll explain why i'm bringing that up because when i was listening to the joseph campbell lectures I wasn't taking notes. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't in a classroom. I wasn't being tested, you know. I was just washing dishes in a deli. And <laughs> and and sometimes I would like tune it out, you know, but I was listening to it and it all kind of worked itself into my unconscious. And I think a lot of people when they listen to podcasts, this happens to them and they might beat themselves up and be like, "Oh, I wasn't paying attention. Like I should have you know, I wish I could remember stuff as good as he can. You know, like, no, 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 years of, of listening to stuff and not remembering. Yeah. And then what's beautiful is synchronistically, your higher consciousness draws that information out and then adds to it. You know, if you want to talk about the Akashic record, I truly believe that, you know, once you have a, a framework of what, the real is and what truth is spirit can then come and fill in some of the blanks and it's only in these conversations that we're having where spirit and you know my consciousness if we're going to put it in spiritual terms i'll call it spirit but for those who aren't as spiritually minded we can call it higher conscious conscious and subconscious you know and yeah. this is this is studied you know it's it's verifiable and I think that when you get into this flow state and you don't beat yourself up, you're not critical, you can access information that would have been um, not available if you were looking at your identity, your I, your ego, thinking through that conscious level, All right, I try to turn that off as much as I can when I'm in conversations like this and synchronistically the right information presents itself to me. You know, we were just at a bookstore uh, the other day, uh, Tara and I, and you commented on one of the books I took a picture of, you know, the, the crystal skull book, you know, that book is very, I mean, I got to go back for that because you're the third person who saw that in my story and commented on it. And that was the only book that people commented out of all the 10 that I put in my story. So, you know, that, that's why I did that. Cause I'm like, okay, there, one of these books that I didn't bring home with me is significant. Nobody pointed out the book that I did buy, which was, uh, the, the history of magic, uh, uh, in the modern age by Neville Drury. And I opened the book up 
and I open up to the chapter on Aleister Crowley, and I was reminded yet again of the synchronicity that brought me to Aleister Crowley, which is his birthday is 119 years and one day away from mine. He was born on October 12th, 1875, and I was born on October 11th, 1994. So you do the math there, folks. But either way, you know, that was significant to me. You know, one plus one plus nine is 11. That's another 11. There's two 11s in that, 119 there, just there. And you add those up, that's two. Who? There's two people, me and Crowley, right? So I've done the research on him and I was gravitated towards him in this weird way, like his interesting books about magic. But then I'm like, wow, this stuff's really hard to read. And it's kind of dark. And then I was like, oh, I spent all this money on these books and I'm not even like, I'm not going to be like a Crowley uh, professor. So what was the point, you know? And then years later, here I am. It, it was something that people loved to learn about. And I felt like, Hey, um, this guy has a bad rap and people should know about it because there's some podcasts you can find where they talk about him like he's a good guy, right? Yeah. So there's one example of the synchronicity. You know, I just organically was interested in this person and then that interest was morphed into an outlet, which became the Tinfoil Hat podcast I did with Sam, episode 377. And if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't have, you know, gotten where I'm at now with the podcast. Cause I didn't have my family think I'm crazy. But when I was on tinfoil hat, I was just doing a, a podcast with my, my buddies on YouTube that nobody listened to. So I think, uh, yeah, synchronicity happens in this weird way, but I've said so much there. Maybe <laughs> yeah, it's some... okay. Um, no, that's beautiful, man. Um, the understanding of synchronicity is such a deep and profound aspect of my life as well. It's something that I got into like when I was like 18 and it starts as a seed. It starts as something that's so small and seemingly insignificant, but it's a great signifier, right? It's such a profound signifier because it's, it's showing you the potential of what it's going to grow into just like any seed that grows into a tree, right? And how it bears fruit. And what I like to call synchronicity is the mystical rhythm in that there's this rhythm of life and there's this rhythm of something profound that's happening, whether you want to see it or not. And it's mystical in the sense because it's operating without you really having to consciously participate. And it's going to show you the significance of it in a step-by-step -step process. And that it's mystical where there's an operation to it that you don't really have any idea of how it came about, where it's going or how it's going to end or whether it's going to end. Right. So the idea of just following that rhythm, like it's music, right. That you're adding a melody to it and that your life and your participation and your consciousness with it is this harmonization with something. And like you were saying earlier with the kind of like negative spiral that people can go into, that is also a synchronicity and that it's a polarity. It's, it's something to be aware of so that you can make significant changes in your life so that the synchronicities can be seeds that you plant that go towards something that's a creative process that becomes profound, right? So like your podcast, like this podcast, 
and even just to the day-to-day interactions that you have with people and the impacts that you can make in a small way or a greater way in, in others' lives, right? So just how um, like back in last September when I first messaged um, Sam's like zero podcast, little did I know that I was talking to you, right? And how that was that little seed that has now grown into the conversation that we're having now and where it's going to go. We may not have the foresight and and what's going to happen in a few years, but then we can have just the knowing and the confidence that the friendship that's growing, that is the tree that the fruit it's going to bear is going to be beneficial for not only us, but for others as well. Right. Cause like that Sylvester dude, he does the same thing for me. Like he's the one that comments like yesterday I, I posted, um, my like newest episode about Anahata and I just told all these stories about these profound experiences I had with my heart. And he messaged me and was like, dude, that episode was so good. And it's, and I talked about, this experience that I had going into my heart and healing a lot of um, just past hurt and trauma that I had through my mother, just like things that I did as a child, right? And he was like, man, it's my mom's birthday today and you just inspired me to just level up what I want to do to show her how much I love her. And that to me is like the great signifier of how you can impact someone's life, even if it's just one person's life. And that's something that I learned from the law of one, the raw material, reading it years ago, right? Because um, Don Elkins would ask raw, like, is this channeling, is this work going to reach like millions of people? Right. And raw was like, even if it only reaches one person, you've done your job. Right. That's because one is all right. That's, um, there's a mantra, uh, the Purnima mantra, um, which essentially says um, the complete is all and all is complete, right? And so there's a satisfaction in like a soul level that where you can help one person's life, then you get a sense of the joy and that completeness of all that there is in connectivity of all the people just from that. Right. Um, and that's, that's what inspires me to go into yoga and to be a yogi. Right. So, um, the process for me has always just been patience, right? Cause um, I, I have a tendency to want to put things out and be like, holy shit, like this stuff is good. Why isn't more people, you know, um, watching it or whatever. And it's a, it's a trusting the process of that, um, mystical rhythm that the operation behind it, my conscious mind, my left brain will have no comprehension of how that works. And I just got to trust that the higher mind is taking care of it. Right. And just like my like deep desire to be on tinfoil hat, you know, and just like waiting patiently to do it and wondering if I ever will. And, you know, my higher mind just goes, you know, sit back, relax, just just chill. You know, what happens happens. And, you know, we are taking care of you as best as we can, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I mean, 
look at you, Yogi. You're a rock star. I think that with the right manifestation, you'll be in the place to uh, to do all those things and more. You're already talking to the guy who who books for Tim Fall Hat, so <laughs> yeah. I think you're. I think the higher mind has guided you in into the right place. But yeah, I, I definitely yeah I resonate with with the connectivity. You know, it's really something that I came about in a kind of uh, unorthodox way. You know, I'm not a trained person of any sort of uh, methodology, but I will say that when you put the intention out there, mentors will present themselves to you, you know, and for me, before I ever found podcasting, there were several people that presented themselves as mentors and and books as well, if you have the the instinct to read. But again, the same thing, same point I was making before about podcasting and like stressing yourself or being too critical on your ability to retain things. It's like sometimes I just flip through a book and see what you know sticks out. You know, not every book is meant to be read front to back. Sometimes you pick up a book and it has just like one paragraph that can change your life or like and for me that there's a bunch of books that I have that I've probably only read the first few chapters but that was enough you know for whatever reason that was enough and I'll come back to them I'm sure but that's the that's the thing is you put this intention out there to engage with the universe uh in this sort of educational way because it the ecosystem is constantly trying to evolve you and teach you more and more, I think. So mm. podcasting is a beautiful place for that. You know, you can literally just like subscribe to a bunch of brilliant podcasts and then just find a random episode. Don't even really put any thought to it. Just maybe read the names and say, oh, that." You know, and I'm sure Ripe is doing the same thing for people. Uh, and it's just a matter of time because it's out there, my man. Yeah, and I was thinking just yesterday, <clears throat> this idea of being like an expert in something and how it's stigmatized around higher education. And I was like, you know what? You can have an expertise and you can be an expert in something because it's your passion and you've spent enough time within it, right? And it has nothing to do whether or not you're paying thousands of dollars into a university. And who's to say who's an expert, um, especially nowadays through social media and all the misinformation and bullshit, like, um, like for yourself, like you can be an expert on synchronicity just because of how you li lived your life and, and how you've curtailed the way that you um, really navigate it. Just like you're saying, like you can pick up all these books and the way that you're like your expertise on synchronicity is that you're just looking at exactly what is going to be within that book that's going to give you that 
continued um, like flow of finding the synchronicity. So you just you you look into it and you read a couple chapters and you're like, yeah, that's exactly what I needed. And then the next day on your podcast, you end up bringing up that topic because it just comes out naturally. Right. And then it ends up just creating a web between all your other listeners and they're like, holy shit, like that's what I was thinking about the other day or um, they end up getting the book and it ends up helping them. And yeah, so I, I, I think the the passion involved with really following your intuition on what it is you love to do and why you love to do it is what's going to bring in the people that are going to help boost you up in that in that realm and and I, and I think that's why we also get information and we bring people in that are on the darker side you know like why is it that Aleister Crowley keeps coming up into your life right that there's a signifier there and that there's something to learn from that in what not to do and how to navigate a realm that we're all in because of this polarity of like good and evil, light and dark, that it's this idea of like knowing your enemy, right? And, it, and it's going to shed light on who you are as well. And that <clears throat> it comes down to just being information. And then when you provide what you're passionate about, the information that you're giving out, then you're well equipped to deal with um, the synchronicities that you we are just unconscious about that want to bring us down and that they want to halt us. They want to stop us. And then we can be reminded, you know what? When I was reading this stuff from Aleister Crowley and I was seeing how like dark it was and I see how his life ended up, I know how to respond to these synchronicities that are trying to lead me in that way mm. by being more loving, being more compassionate and um, seeing the like like you're saying the synchronicity in the numerology between his birthday and yours and that you whittle down the numbers to this 1111 and then that is this like shining beacon of going forward in, in the positivity of that and I think that is what can help us, you know, in the world um, to understand that the darkness and this, you know, the malevolence has a place as inspiration for us to polarize towards positivity and, and light and love in that sense, because it, it helps the people in that realm, you know, and that's that's just how I've seen it, you know, and in all the podcasts I've listened to about Aleister Crowley and everything that I've read and the direction that I've gone is like let it let it be useful in a, in a beneficial way to you because um, that's that's the power that we have in our decision making. I think right, and you know, I'll, I'll say like talking about him even like people will reach out with like paranoid type uh accusations like oh you're misrepresenting it or you didn't talk about this thing that he did and it's like 
every time I get one of those messages, I always meet it with positivity and say like, hey, thank you for sharing this. I had no idea that that, you know, or whatever the response may be in a positive way, because nine times out of 10, that person will come back with, wow, okay, I'm sorry that I even said it like that, you know, and Mm -hmm. you get at somebody and that's not just like the old thing, like, don't fight fire with fire. It's, it's true. It's like you're shining love in a place where there is kind of fear and darkness. And I make no bones about it. I think that Alistair Crowley did some really dark stuff and, and that's exactly why I decided to talk about it with Sam when I had the opportunity, you know, set the record straight type thing. And, you know, even the, the what you said there, as nice as that was about letting that be a symbol for light to shine forward, like I've kind of come to the conclusion that maybe I don't need to study this this guy anymore, you know? Like I've I've learned enough and it's somebody else's job to do more research, but who knows, you know? And that's kind of like this, the part about living in the now is it has come up sometimes uh, since, but it doesn't feel organic. It kind of just feels like, you know, people reaching out because they heard it for the first time and maybe need some clarification on what I truly think. But, you know, there are also people who are way more uh, expert in the subject of Crowley than I as well. Mm-hmm. So thank you again. I mean, calling me uh, or, or saying that there could be an expert of synchronicity. I never thought of that until just now. And I like that. I think you're absolutely right. What is an expert? Somebody who experiences something enough to be completely knowledgeable about it. I mean, that's all it is. So I think that uh, that's definitely the direction I'm going in. And that's why we've started this project, my girlfriend and I, uh, the synchromystic exploration in the ever expanding now or the synchromystic experiment in the ever expanding now. Man, that's so uh, either great. Way. I love that name. It's so good. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah, and the acronym scene, you know, see what there is to be seen and come behind the scenes with us, you know, this all these different sort of word magic things that you can get into, but I definitely would like to have you on for uh for an episode of scene. Maybe we can even turn uh, this into an episode of scene and Man, like a swap I was, cast. Speaking of synchronicity and how like thought waves are, I was just thinking about that. I was like, hey man, this can be like uh uh what is it called? Just like a dual cast or whatever. Like um yeah, where you share this one on yours too. Ah. Yeah, totally. Um, and right on. You know, I was just thinking about um, you know. There's a lot of power in in magic, obviously, and, and synchronicity, and um, you know the the idea of of Aleister Crowley and why it's so appealing is is the stories and the um, and the myth around how powerful he was, right? And like and and people want to emulate that, and they want to try to go out into the world and make an, an impact for themselves emulating this power but there's an experience that i had um maybe like 10 years ago now that really showed me um the power of someone who is very discreet and um 
and not very no- well known at all, but is very spiritually um, advanced. It was um, this uh, Qigong master named Michael Shen. He was like at the time, I think he's already passed away, but at the time he was like probably in his 80s. And my friend Chris and I did um, a Qigong workshop workshop with him. And I just remember like uh, at near the end of the workshop, because we were, we were doing the Qigong practice and he turned off the lights and he's like, okay, just like do, do the practice and then, and then stand still. And then he was going around and he walked up behind me and he put his hand on my lower back and he just started, his hand started shaking and I felt this straight up power come out of his hand into my lower back and this like immense heat, it like grabbed my lower back and just like vibrated and it got super hot and it just dispersed without throughout my body. And then he put his hand on my shoulder and went to my ear and he's like, now do something with it and walked away. And I was just like, holy shit. Like what the, what the fuck was that? And it was just so visceral and so real. And that to me is really what like the power of magic and, and energy is, is where you can be someone where the world doesn't even know about you. And you're just going around doing these little workshops. You know, you have someone that's helping facilitate it and you'll just naturally be drawn to someone that you see will actually be able to take in what this is and then there's going to be this divine intervention of the synchronicity where the higher minds meet and and beyond what you know i've already had a like communication of like yeah we're going to be able to do this um through where the idea that you need to emulate someone who is trying to be so flashy and trying to like prove that there's something so powerful. I think that's like the power of illusion and the like manipulation of that energy. And so that's what inspires me to act in a similar way, right? Where I can be this conduit to bestow like, not to that extent. I mean, I don't at all have that ability. That was freaking like intense. Right. But it that is in me as something even a fragment that i can share with people and to inspire so that they feel that little bit of fire in them so that they can go out and make a positive impact and uh i was i was singing earlier <clears throat> you know cuz like like me you know you have a you know, like a library of books. I think your collection is probably four times as large as mine. But there there comes a point where whether you've read them or not, there's like an assimilation of the like the presence of it. And there's a there's a point where you will be able to stream this information and that I think is what creates a kind of expertise, right? Where it's in your subconscious and you don't have to try to regurgitate anything and you are allowing yourself to 
just flow this information and it's just naturally going to be impactful. Right. Right. And, and this is why, you know, the study of secret societies and the occult and people like Crowley, that's why, you know, this conversation might seem like it's like a self-improvement type thing because listen folks when you go into this conspiracy realm that's what everybody is doing they're trying to you know change their consciousness to be a more powerful presence in their environment you know and to to impose their will on their surroundings and i think the reason why you you know that seems like evil and scary is because the will unchecked by the heart can do some pretty terrible things mm. so the approach that you've taken through yoga where you're strengthening your body you're strengthening your chakras you're strengthening your heart and your mind you know this is the true approach and i think the two roads kind of meet uh, at a crossroads where you know some people approach this type of cult self-improvement from the secret society way and some people approach it from like the spiritual way but it's all the same it's just you know person to person just like this qigong master taught you something and and actually showed you the power of your energy you know for me that was my mentor amos who showed me the power of his voice when he would stand in front of the skull and bones tomb in new haven on high street and scream geronimo's name in honor of Geronimo, whose skull and bones are actually in that tomb, you know, rightfully so. And, you know, from there, I've had moments uh, in solitude and now with my partner where we've used our voice to feel that energy that you're describing with the Qigong master. I think anybody can find their own practice. Uh, Something that that kind of came from for me was the Carlos Castaneda book. And he, he's talking to Don Juan for the majority of the book, but in some parts, he's Don Juan's like, well, you should learn from these other masters instead of me first. So he takes him to a guy who's like powers the ability to dance, you know, and he's like dancing. And for me, I'm like dancing. Like I, I wasn't reading the book to learn about dancing, you know, like mm-hmm. this was so far fetched for me at the, especially at the age of like 17 18 like the last thing i want to do is dance you know (laughs) so but that now dawning on me is like yeah everybody has a different archetype everybody has different skills that they're predisposed to right back to our purpose our actual purpose and for uh some that could be qigong and moving this air you know or moving your body with the rhythm of water you know uh, and for me, I think like the earth and the in the sky, like here in North America, those elements seem to be very strong. And after having this conversation with uh, Laurel Erica, I'm like pretty convinced now that what I've been engaging with is elemental magic in some way, like mm-hmm. the magic of the elements. So this is all new to me, um, but in a synchronistic way, it's come up many times in my life and here i am in this very mystical natural place uh in this part of the state where i have uh, more nature around me than i do the technosphere the artificial matrix that i was 
kind of born into, you know, living in a suburb and then going to community college in a city, you know, driving along one of the busiest highways in the United States uh, that cuts right through my hometown. So it's like, you know, I, I it's nice to get away from that fast pace. Uh, and the magic really has kind of seeped in in that synchronistic way. Um, mm. I feel like I've trailed a little bit from uh, from my point being that like, yoga oto golden dawn you know all of these different uh methodologies of learning they're all trying to teach you this similar thing uh, a connection to your higher self and a connection to the greater universe beyond and the the psychic senses through which we can actually uh experience that world beyond yeah and in in all of my research of of yoga and and the occult what i found is that so essentially in the 1800s um the western world like prior to basically 1820 i'd say the early 1800s the western world didn't even know about yoga you know like it was very much contained in india and what started happening is you have people like um, Madame Blavatsky, you have Charles Webster, lead beater, you have um, Alistair Crowley, you have Alice A. Bailey, and a whole host of others who essentially started to go into India to specifically try to find yogis. And the thing uh, that essentially happened was that most of them couldn't find any yogis. Because they were still hidden. They were still in the Himalayas. They were still in the jungles. And the extent that they could bring yoga back into the West was just through the literature that they could find. Until a person, and I have a picture of him right here. Um, this is one of my teachers. Uh, let's see. Swami Vivekananda. So... He was the first yogi to come to America in the mid-1800s to teach about Raja Yoga. And then the next was Paramahansa Yogananda. So what I the comparison that I made is that the occult um, practitioners were former kind of like Catholic church whatever their priests or bishops or whatever they're part of the Catholic church that left and started um, like theologian societies like the OTO and the golden dawn. And uh, um, there, there's like Lucifer publishing in the States, you know um, the, the missing element was the actual yoga practice. So these um, occult practitioners, when they took the information, they didn't actually have access to the full practice that these um, sadhus and these gurus and these um, yogis had. And, and so what you naturally have is a kind of um, um, diluted sense of what connecting to divinity is. And I, I think this is important. I think that's why the, the teachings of these people were um, like co-opted and then 
manipulated into a kind of darkness because the the strong physical practice and the pranayama and the meditations actually creates a protection to to create like a kind of barrier from that manipulation because you are creating a clear channel into divinity. And so there's, when you absorb and surrender yourself into your greatest higher self, there cannot be a capacity for any manipulation because your higher self is in a state of pure bliss and love and healing. Right. And so if you aren't doing the practices to connect yourself to that, you are naturally going to slip into a manipulation of trauma-based practices and manipulation. And this is actually something that I I wrote down earlier to get into and why yoga is actually so deeply ingrained with healing because your divinity and your higher self is perpetually in a state of healing. That's what they've mastered themselves into, right? And so when you do the practice and you dedicate yourself to it, you're dedicating yourself to your higher self that is always healing all the time. There's no room at all anymore. There's no comprehension for any kind of trauma. And so when you allow yourself to go into that state and you come back into your body, which has trauma, right? Because that's the polarity of the human condition is that there has to be room for both, right? In the light, in the dark. And so you address your trauma through the connection that you have with your higher self and the healing capacity that it has for assessing it. And that's why what can be more beneficial is looking into the originators of bringing the yoga system to the West. So someone like um, Swami Vivekananda or Paramahansa, Paramahansa Yogananda and, um, and so on, where then you can see that the that the information from the occultists are naturally kind of twisted. It's naturally geared towards their own self preservation and um, and and you got to think about the time, right? This is eighteen hundreds. This is at a time where there's very deep suppression from the Catholic Church, especially sexually, right? So. Um, one example is Charles Webster Leadbeater. So he actually is the first person to write the book about chakras in the West. So everything we know about the chakras in the West comes from him. So why we call it like, um, why we have something called the spleen chakra, like there is no spleen chakra in the yoga system, you know? But when you read his book, he omits Svadhisthana, which is like the actual um, chakra for sexual energy and creativity and passion, he completely omits it and he has an asterisk and he states in his footnote, I have omitted this chakra because it is, in my opinion, the most dangerous chakra, just like how the ancient Egyptians thought. But then I thought about it, I was like, that. well, that's just your opinion. Like, that. that's not based on actually any, like practice of it and so everything that from then on has come about in understanding the chakras was just a total misconception and it's coming from a place where he grew up or he was like a catholic like bishop and in england and you got to think about the kind of sexual suppression that was happening then right so of course it makes sense to him to omit something writing a book that he wants to sell and reach to a mass amount of people Right. So 
the best thing that we can do is actually look into the original practices of understanding Svadhisthana now, especially because we have inf- we have people and we have teachers that are coming out and actually displaying what the original teachings was, where the work on Svadhisthana is an inward understanding of our own fluidity of how procreating um, life is, right? So that doesn't necessarily mean the actual like tantric outward like act of, of sex, which is really beautiful. And when you have it harmonious with a partner, it like amplifies anything, everything. It's also the inward use of that energy in understanding the control of how it rises up into your system so that you can be inspired to create. And this is partly why in India, giving and feeding people is so important because Svadhisthana is connected to your tongue. And so their act of giving is coming from a place of love, but it's also exercising a purity of Svadhisthana because they're nourishing the part that actually feeds into their system and actually creates blood and creates the pro, um, the ability to procreate, right? So just the desire to want to give is actually such a more pure sense of Svadhisthana rather than like how you use your sexual energy to become more powerful, Right. And I went on a bit of a tangent, so I gotta have to no, recollect my thoughts. <laughs> no, you're 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 speaking in synchronicity with me because this is like particularly a topic. What naturally, you know, that Tara and I have been talking a lot about. You know how we can best use our sexual energy in this new partnership um, that's thirty days. In, yeah congratulations uh, man you guys look so good together yeah, yeah. it's oh man it's so cute <laughs> well i will i will say you know we we've been measuring the we've been keeping track of the days we've been together uh you know not as a couple but just like living together you know because we it's like we're pretty much spending every hour together um and it's it's funny like we're using the moon cycle right mm. and we're having this conversation with you after last night which is the the full moon well i am and you know it's it's very synchronistic without getting into too many details you know yeah uh but yeah the 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 sexual chakra i think when it comes to the occult and lead beater there's very much a suppressive energy still and at that time you know that led to crowley being the most dangerous or the most wickedest man in the world i mean that's doesn't shock me that he was like yeah that's the most dangerous chakra because of the west they're trying to control culture and how else do we influence culture but with creativity right mm-hmm. i mean you see it in the music industry in the movie industry you see it in the publishing industry you know uh, that was an example of that people censoring information because of how they think it's going to be perceived or used, which is really just imposing your will on other people, right? That's all it is. When you think that you know better than someone else to keep certain information from them, whether it's volatile or not, that's, you know, imposing your will. So I think people in the new age of Aquarius, last night's full moon was in Aquarius. You know, this is, uh, this is the energy of liberation, of change, you know, and I think the next two 
uh, months will be sensing that uh, change. And I pray and I hope that everyone listening to this, including yourself, Zorananda, take that liberation to heart and, you know, create something beautiful with that energy, create something that gives back, Mm -hmm. create something that nurtures, you know, because that's what we're here to do. We're here to nurture the planet and take care of the planet, take care of our environment, our ecosystem, take care of each other. And obviously that's not happening on a large degree. Otherwise we wouldn't be, you know, having this conversation in the podcasting world. This conversation should be broadcasted on Oprah, you know, to everybody, but it's not because that's the state of the world we're in. So all the more reason for people to become centered and make those changes because you can only really change yourself. That's how you change the world, right? That's what Gandhi said, be the change you wish to see in the world. And I think that's what I've tried to do with my podcast. You know, my family thinks I'm crazy. It's a true statement. And I think when people start getting into this stuff, their family will think they're crazy too. Oh, yeah. I remember when I was like just getting into conspiracy theory stuff and um, I'd be I'd tell my dad about all this stuff and he kind of brushed me off and be like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And then I like I don't remember exactly what it was, but I, I was telling him about something that was happening in the world or something that was going to happen. And then it, it, like one day he comes up to me and he's like, holy shit, you were right because you know, I just heard on the radio or I just heard on TV this thing that's happening. You told me about it like three weeks ago. And I'm like, yeah. And, and, and that's why it's, it's important to look into information on your own. And, and it's so interesting because this whole like do your own research has like been co-opted um, in such a negative light of like, no, you can't do your own research because you're not an expert and you need to like learn from people who have done the and like blah, blah, blah. Right. And now, man, he just like scours the internet for all sorts of stuff and he's just educating himself on, on things. And we have just the greatest conversations about world events that wouldn't happen if, if, if I didn't tell him those things those years ago. And if he didn't come to the conclusion like, holy shit, I, I can't trust the television. I can't trust the cure, like curated information that's being like packaged and sent to me. I actually have to go into the internet and I actually have to pick apart things and put together ideas myself. And that is what's, I think is just so powerful about the internet. And it's something that even has allowed me to come to conclusions about history and about the state of the world where I'll watch a video from one person, I'll watch a video from another person and another person, another person. And I string it together and I say like, holy shit, it could be possible that there's something like Tataria. There's something like an, an erased history of the fact that the cities that we live in already existed and that the colonizers that they like the royalty, they knew about it and they sent people over to take over and that that's what free masonry is. That it's literally free building that they came in and they took what was there and they rebuilt it and they have their whole society that runs it. Like the city that I live in Edmonton, like no one knows this. It was created by five 32 degree Mason, uh, Freemasons. And one of them is a man named Alexander Cameron Rutherford. 
And he created the University of Alberta. He was the first premier of Alberta. And there's this fucking creepy statue on the University of Alberta campus of this guy in a robe and Alexander Charles uh, Cameron Rutherford on his knees holding the guy's hand and the guy's hands like this. And it's like, you know, like, what the fuck is that? You know? And, and so it, it's important to really get into all these, like, different um, uh, all this different information to string it together to paint a picture so you can come to a conclusion for yourself of what could possibly make sense. And whether or not people think you're crazy, it, it, it just doesn't matter at the end of the day, right? Because then it, it starts to make sense for me that yeah, like we like Edmonton had these buildings in the 1800s that were like monolithic limestone. And it's like, how the hell did they get there? And like by the ni- early 1900s, they were just demolished and repurposed. Right. And. And so when you look at all that uh, curated information and how it's packaged together for us, it starts to really make sense that that's just been happening from the beginning. And that's a tactic, right? Especially at a time in the 1800s where like you can have a newspaper that tells people about something and they'll have no idea that it's completely fabricated. Right. And they just go with it to now you really can't do that, right? Because at any point, you can be like, mm, I'm going to look into it a little bit deeper. I have now this storehouse of information that can um, sig- like tell me uh, what can be more accurate. And, you know, um, I, this brought me to this realization about why the so-called like elite cabal and these secret societies are so pissed like, why are they like just coming down with this information stuff, misinformation stuff? Their secret societies are built on um, secretive rituals, right? So, say the Freemasons, they have 33 degrees, and you go through this process of ritualization through the d- degrees. And, and when you go up, like you can't, you can't talk about it to the lower degrees, right? And it's held so dear and it's held so secretive. But now anyone can find out what those practices are and they can do it themselves, right? And they can get to a point of uh, self-realization within themselves and uncovering what these rituals are that say like a CEO of a company who's a Freemason and in order for him to become the CEO, he had to rise the ranks of this secret society. He had to go through all these crazy rituals and, you know, it may have taken him like 10, 12 years or something where any one of us just sitting in our room can just like look up on DuckDuckGo all these crazy rituals and just be like, holy shit, like I know it, right? So yeah, of course, this like top CEO is going to be super pissed off because he's like, well, fuck, I just went through 20 years of my life to try to find out all these secrets and then this dude in his basement can just have access to it whenever he wants, right? And so 
that's where I think these these people are like really losing their power because now anyone has access to it because of leaks that people do and that I think we really need to take advantage of and to see that okay these guys were doing rituals to put themselves in this position I can do my own rituals to put myself in a position where I have power over the domain of my own sovereignty. And I don't have to even really worry about whether or not they're more powerful than me because I know the secret that within me is the mystical rhythm, within me is the synchronicity, within me is the divinity, and I can make up my own fucking magical ritual. And I have all these books and I have these things that can kind of show me a guideline and a template. And maybe, yeah, these ones are a little dark and yeah, these ones are a little bit light, but yeah, they're a little bit fluffy. So why don't I just pave my own way in being a ritualistic human that is a powerful being and showing that I have a presence of divinity within me and I can just follow that path in my own life. And yeah, maybe I don't become a fucking millionaire or billionaire. Maybe I don't have a podcast with millions of views, but I'm going to be able to have an impact that is so much greater and I'm now free of the shackles that these powerful elite have put on me from trying to hide all this information because now it's so much more accessible. Say, you know, like there's nothing new under the sun and this like spiritual war that's taking place uh, where people are getting all of this information uh, secretly. It's being coverted like, people have been joining these groups and then going and spilling the beans for hundreds and hundreds of years. So I think, you know, they have all these layers through which they're able to hide the real truth. And Mm -hmm. it's still more than you can find in books and in podcasts, you know? So I would say for people out there, it's like, just be uh, your own judge and judge based off your heart and your intuition, you know? And that's kind of how you follow the synchronicities too, is by following your heart and following your intuition and recognizing the signs, symbols, and synchronicities that are adding up to the overall story that is your life, right? And if it is a story, write it the way you want to write it. And don't let all of these disempowering messages get to you because that's what the culture creators are trying to do is disempower you and help you forget, you know, more and more uh, who you are and why you're really here. And the truth is so much greater. I mean, you just touched on all that awesome stuff about Tartaria. People can go and listen to the, not the latest episode, but episode 59 of my podcast, where we got into some really great stuff about Tartaria with Ari Asselin. Um, But yeah, Yogi, this is, you know, this, second of many conversations i'm sure the third really on a podcast of many conversations that we've had and uh, many more to come i'm sure so thanks for having me man it's been a real pleasure and people can check me out at myfamilythinksomecrazy.com and please go support us on patreon patreon.com slash mftic if you want to get the scene behind the scenes and see what there is to be seen very excellent man yeah thank you so much for uh coming on having this great conversation um yeah definitely a great uh friendship and 
brotherhood is building and i look forward to many more conversations man it's great and uh yeah so all of you listening thank you for listening to this podcast getting into the depths of synchronicity and into yoga into occultism and all that good stuff and just remember that the more you follow your heart and the more you listen to that intuition like mark was saying the more these synchronicities are gonna kind of flourish and show you the path that is so divine and so right for you so again thank you for listening have a wonderful rest of your day enjoy